Hi, I'm Molly Weinberg, and I'm a Philly-based lifestyle influencer who gives all the deets when it comes to wellness, travel, even entrepreneurship. Welcome to the Molly Weinberg Podcast, where I chat with experts ranging from gut health specialists to fashion icons and everything in between. I want to share all the specifics to help you live your best life. I'm not sparing any details. Yep, no questions are off limits. Every week, you will walk away from each episode feeling more motivated and more informed than before. Tune in weekly to the Molly Weinberg Podcast to never miss a beat. Um, I'm talking about like larger issues that actually matter. You know, where are we going to live, right? How are we going to raise our children? Like these are things, if you're just constantly in a disagreement and not being open-minded and not being on the same team, then you're wasting your time. You're just fighting with one another for really no reason. And you are in for a treat today. It's a solo episode, just me, myself, and I. And I'm going to be talking about relationships, specifically when it comes to marriage. Daniel and I just celebrated our one-year anniversary, May 12th, which is crazy that that's how fast time has flown. Um, But I thought 12 things that I've learned from one year of marriage would be a really nice episode because I don't think everyone is as honest as I'm about to be when it comes to just starting out as newlyweds. I am going to share 12 different things that I have learned in my first year of marriage. Now, again, I am no expert, so I don't want anyone coming after me after they listen to this saying like, hey, you said this and I think, you know what, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. So there, I said it before I get some like keyboard warrior coming at me. With that being said, these are my honest thoughts and I'm just going to ramble here. So bear with me and uh, buckle up. So the very first thing I've learned, which is going to be very obvious for everyone listening, they're going to be like, oh, no shit, is communicate. I can't stress enough that you cannot expect your spouse to know what you're thinking and then be disappointed when what you imagined up in your head, you like concocted this whole situation, you thought that he or she was going to do this or say that, show up at this time, surprise you with this. When it doesn't actually happen, you will feel down in the dumps and upset and your partner will be like, wait, what? And left looking at you like you have five heads. So the biggest takeaway for that bullet, if you want to call it that, is just say what's on your mind at all times because there's never going to be a moment where you're like, ugh, like I shouldn't have communicated that. If anything, it's going to be like, ugh, I wish I communicated that. I wish I set very clear expectations or standards so that way I didn't feel upset or let down in this moment right now. And it goes both ways. It's not just for girls. You know, oftentimes I'm sure Daniel wishes that I read his mind when he was thinking, you know, let's leave this party or something even I would say more important or more crucial. But that's just an example. There's a lot more that goes into communication that make it such an important factor in a healthy marriage. I'm an over communicator in case you can't tell. Um, And it's not that Daniel is an under communicator, if that's even a term. It's just that he doesn't always necessarily think to tell me that he's taking out, you know, leftovers to thaw. So I see it out on the counter, I'm going to put it back in. Or he doesn't always think to tell me that he made plans. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, that night, if I look at the calendar, it's open. When we're talking, when I'm saying communicate, I'm talking like finite things, micro things like that, and then also more heavy duty stuff. For instance, do you think we're investing our money the right way? 
questioning anything should never be off limits as far as I'm concerned. You should always be able to speak freely, openly, and feel safe, you know, sharing your most private thoughts. I mean, after all, this is your spouse, not a stranger, right? Number two, time apart is not a bad thing. I am such a people person and I love quality time. I think time is my number one love language, but the thing is, it's all about balance. I mean, marriage in and of itself is all about balance, but when you're spending time apart, it's almost like you're giving yourself a refresher for being able to come back even better than you were before. Let's just be honest. There comes a time or there comes a point, I should say, where after being next to each other 24-7 in a 600-square-foot apartment for March, April, May, June, July, August, I can't do math, six months, after being together for that many months straight, it can take a toll on someone's sanity. I'm not saying that we were like going crazy, but we were just always together. But even after moving into our new larger home, we still – seek time apart. And I really think it's so healthy, whether it's, you know, girls night out or boys night out. The other one always feels refreshed and eager to reunite. It sounds a little silly, but I really think it's so important to have lives apart from one another. So when you come back together, it's like, you know what they say, absence really does make the heart grow fonder. The third thing I've learned silly but true, share the freaking remote. This is something Daniel still needs to work on, but we are getting there. I would say nine times out of 10, if I put the TV on, Daniel leaves the room because he doesn't want to watch Real Housewives. I don't know why, but he's just so uninterested. And what ends up happening is that when he has the remote, I want to spend time because again, I really think my love language is quality time. So I just suffer through all of the boring or scary, or action thriller movies and TV shows that he wants to watch. So we're working on that. That is something that we're still striving for uh, perfection. <laughs> Number four, be there to support and to console. One of my favorite things to do is be someone's hype girl. Honestly, back in college, there was something, an activity called Hype Man for students who were visiting Temple for their orientation. And as an example, one of the OWL team leaders who was like a tour guide, I guess you could say, would get on the stage with one other and this would show the students what they were about to do, what exercise they were about to practice. And let's say someone sitting next to me, let's say it's a male and, you know, he is a fly dude. He's wearing a cool outfit. He loves sports and he is like a math wizard, right? So this activity would be like, yo, like this guy, Joe, he's so cool. He has all this swag. He's going to kill it freshman year. He's coming in hot, like, you know, really, really dramatizing what's going on and exaggerating all the positive things. But this activity actually brought to light for me, oh, like I am this person in everyday life and I want someone just like that for me. Fast forward, thank God I have Daniel and I really do think he is my number one supporter and my fan. Like he will just do whatever it takes to make me feel I am achieving, which is like a beautiful thing. But <laughs> you can't always be a hype girl, a hype guy 24 seven. You can't always be positive. You can't always be so happy. So what ends up happening is when there are times where you're just feeling down in the dumps and you need to vent, you need to cry, you need to feel your feelings because maybe you're lost, you're depressed, whatever it may be, you need to relish in that. You need to like sit in that sadness and let it be for a little bit. Like let's be still. Okay. I think that 
for both partners to recognize that that's a need is really, really important because you don't always need someone to say, it's going to get better. Don't worry about it. Everything happens for a reason. You got this. Tomorrow's another day. Yeah, that's nice some of the times, but there are times where your brain and your mind, I should say, just need a break. So take it from me and know that it's as important to be your partner's hype man or number one fan as it is to know when to simply console your loved one when they're down. Number five, get on the same page or get the hell out. If you're not on the same page with your partner for the big life issues, you will struggle. Some people will say, oh no, it's healthy to disagree. I'm telling you, these are issues that you need to work together on to be able to have a really strong marriage. And I am not, for the record, talking about like freaking like favorite foods or the preferred temperature in the house or favorite TV shows because God knows that's never going to be in agreement in this household. Um, I'm talking about like larger issues that actually matter. You know, where are we going to live, right? How are we going to raise our children? Like these are things, if you're just constantly in a disagreement and not being open-minded and not being on the same team, then you're wasting your time. You're just fighting with one another for really no reason. And when it involves another party, it just tears down the relationship even more. Now, this isn't to say you should give a shit what people think about you because if you care what people think about your marriage, you are going to constantly be in a never-ending cycle of doubt and jealousy and uncertainty. That's just horrible. Number six, have a problem, find a solution. I need to be honest. Dangle really instilled this in me and it's been incredibly helpful for every single aspect of my life. This has been a major lesson and I hope at the end of this episode, this is one of the key things you take away. When there is a problem, there has to be a solution. So I'm talking teeny tiny things to very complex things. I mean, here's a recent minor example. I put our pillowcases in the wash and then when it came time for bed at midnight, Dangle went up to find naked pillows. Problem? He wanted to sleep, yet the pillowcases were wet in the washer. Solution, I took from the guest room. I know that sounds so stupid, but I'm serious. Like, Think about any problem you have in your life. If you're spending all of your time bitching about the problem and not seeking a solution, not only are you wasting time and wasting energy, but you're getting yourself so much more worked up. Number seven, chores are not going to be 50-50 and that's okay. In the beginning, I was assuming that we were going to split everything evenly as far as household chores. It turns out that that's just not the case. And I learned, I wouldn't say the hard way because like nothing happened. I just learned like that's just not practical. It's not real life. It's not realistic to think that this can be from day to day, 50-50 for everything. So there are, let's say three weeks at a time where I feel like I am truly doing the majority and it's annoying. I'm like, ugh, complaining about it, whatever. Then I realize that there may be three and a half weeks where Dangle is on a streak of just doing, 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 doing because maybe his workload is lighter at that time and mine's really intense and it's hard for me to be to keep the balance. And again, we're going back to the word balance, but I'm telling you it's it's not only a really big part of everyday life, but it's a really big part of marriage. Number eight, having separate sinks in the bathroom makes a world of a difference. You think I'm joking, I'm not. 
I swear to you, this was a requirement that I've had like concocted in my head for however long that like when I have a big girl house, I need to have a double sink. It's just like a necessity. It sounds freaking obnoxious, but I'm telling you, it has been saving grace when it comes to morning and nighttime getting ready and going to sleep. I cannot function when a man is shaving and the hairs are in the sink and the gook is all over the place. I just, it's it's a no. It's a no for me. I also can't stand when I just want to wash my face and then someone by the name of Daniel just happens to need to brush his teeth at that exact second right over my head. Do you know how stressful that is? Like wash, 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 and then like brush, 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 wash, 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 brush. I'm like, dude, I just need a second. So yeah, that's number eight. Number nine, learn to move on quickly. This is so much easier said than done. Trust me, I get it. But just go in with the mentality of, okay, this shit sucked. It happened. Let it go. Let's move on. I don't even necessarily mean with just your partner. You guys could experience something together with someone else or something else, and it might be eating you inside. It's just so much healthier for your existence to let shit go, especially, okay, if there's a takeaway, another takeaway I should say, let shit go that you cannot control. Number 10, work cannot always be the conversation. That's really hard for both of us because I love what I do and Daniel loves what he does and we're very passionate people about anything. Get us started about a topic and we'll go in. So when it comes to work and what are you doing all day long? You're working. Then you sit down to eat dinner. You're having a drink. You're driving somewhere to meet someone. What's the first thing that comes to mind? Oh, by the way, today I got this email about this partnership and it's so cool. Or you would never believe my manager told me today. The problem isn't talking about work. The problem occurs when all you're talking about is work. There needs to be a little more oomph in these day-to-day conversations and you don't want your marriage to get stale. So limit work conversations to just a little bit. And at the same time, I would really recommend setting your phone down at dinner and not looking at it. It's hard. It's really freaking hard, even for me. I mean, not even for me, like especially for me, I should say. But it's just so much nicer, obviously, to be in the moment and be present with your partner when you're enjoying dinner after a day of hard work, whether you're apart or working from home in the same house, whatever it may be. Just be in the moment and enjoy one another's company. Side note on that, by the way, also put down the phone when you get into bed. This is something that Daniel has suggested for a very long time. And for me, it's like I have my whole nighttime skincare routine. I get into bed. I start scrolling. I start saving things. A lot of inspo comes to mind at night. Um, I'm texting maybe my mom, catching up on the day really quickly. What ends up happening is a five minute in my head of what it's going to be for my phone time ends up being 40 minutes, 45 minutes. And then we're both doing it. And we're both like, oh shit, now it's really late. We need to go to sleep. So limiting the phone in bed is really helpful. And if I may add, if you're limiting your phone in bed, it allows you for more time to experience one another opposed to experiencing your phone. I don't even know what number we're at at this point, but another thing I want to add in here is you can't change someone and this should be a no-brainer to everyone out there. But time and time again, I hear friends say, I really like him. I just wish he or everything on paper is so perfect. But then, girlfriend, you can't change somebody, okay? You can express to them how you're feeling. You can communicate to them what you would like to see happen. 
but if they don't change themselves, you can't expect to be able to change them. Okay, this might be number 12, this might be number 13, maybe 11, I'll count back once I listen to the recording, but um, add in some spontaneity. I say that because we're all living right now in what I would assume is a very routine lifestyle. And what I mean by that is there's not that many surprises because so much is limited. Yes, I understand things are opening back up now, but there aren't these crazy amazing experiences that you're going to get at the knock of your door. If anything, you should be creating these exciting experiences or spontaneous experiences with one another, you know, both in COVID times and beyond. Plan a surprise trip or a staycation. Take an exercise class together. Switch up the norm of your everyday routine. Just do something. You know, come home with a small gift as a surprise. Whatever it may be, really change things up so it doesn't get, again, you don't want it to get stale. You don't want it to get boring. You you want your marriage to be fun and exciting forever and ever. With that, I will say goodbye for now. I really hope you guys enjoyed listening to 12 things I learned in my first year of marriage. Although it might be 13, I really need to double check. Honestly, the more I do practice solo episodes, the more I'll put them out. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. If you think I missed a major lesson, please slide into my DMs and let me know. Who knows, maybe next May I'll upload a revised version of this episode with even more lessons. Talk to you all soon. If you enjoyed this podcast, feel free to share with your friends, family, loved ones, really anyone who you think would gain value from this episode. And if you're feeling up for it, please subscribe, rate, and review. It means so, so much.